Hey, what's up, everybody? Greatest show on dirt coming to you live from the Sweetie Studio. I am your host, Quentin. It's September 28th. The MLB postseason starts tomorrow. I'm super excited. 16 teams. The bracket's huge. It's going to be chaotic. The Brewers play the Dodgers. And if they win, it's going to be mass chaos. Could you imagine? You got the Dodgers who are like this team that has like Clayton Kershaw and Walker Bueller and Dustin May. And then they got like Mookie Betts, right? They signed Mookie Betts. And they just got like all these guys, man. They've got this bullpen. They got Joe Kelly, who's like the baseball savior here. I mean, it just, the, the Dodgers are just really good. Like, they had the best record in baseball. Like, the Dodgers went in this short season, they went 43 and 17. That's a 7-17 win percentage. That's huge. They are by far the best team in baseball. The first round, they played the 29 and 31 Milwaukee Brewers. We were in a negative 17 run differential. <laughs> I, if I'm a Dodgers fan right now, I'm absolutely terrified. I couldn't handle it as a Dodgers fan. I mean, like the Milwaukee Brewers right now sort of have like a cousin Eddie National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation vibe. Like they don't know that they're stinky and drive a ratty RV. They just know they're in the playoffs and they're here to party, man. And the I, and the Dodgers are like Clark Griswold, who like trying to have like this nice Christmas party or whatever. But then Eddie comes over and just fucks shit up. He's got his RV in the driveway. He's dumping out his neon green shitter in in the road, and it's just like shitter's full. Like that's what the Brewers and Dodgers is. I cannot wait. And listen, the it's the best of three. Like anything can happen, right? In game one. Here, maybe I can tell you who's going to start real quick. Let me see if I can get this bracket real quick because I think they've announced some of the starters, right? So on Tuesday, which you might be listening this past Tuesday, but let's see, the the Marlins, uh, blah, 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 blah. So the Brewers haven't even announced who they're going to pitch yet, right? They're keeping their cards close to the vest. But, you know, the Brewers and Dodgers had it out, I think it was last season, did they not? Or was it the season before, like in a best of seven? I don't remember, but... That's it. That's scary. But listen, I like a true underdog story. Like no matter what, anytime, like if I don't have a vested interest in the teams, I always go for the underdog. And that to me makes sports fun because that's all I want to see is the underdog win. But listen, I have this thing with the Dodgers and I got some friends that are Dodgers fans and I don't, I don't dislike the Dodgers. I don't really dislike any baseball team, but I do like when the little team beats the big team. And I remember when the Cubs beat the Dodgers in 2016, they beat him in the National League Championship Series to go to the World Series, right? And, or might have been, yeah, it was the NLCS. And Dave Roberts, when the Dodgers lose, Dave Roberts looks so sad. And it's sort of like funny because <laughs> he looks so sad. And I'm just like, everything's going to be okay, man. But if you lose to the Brewers, you're probably going to get fired. <laughs> I'm scared for man. If I'm If I'm a Dodgers fan right now, like, listen... Playoff baseball to me, like, I've been a Cubs fan. It's all about how much alcohol your liver can handle to just get through the day, right? And the Cubs play the Marlins. And the last time, the, well, you know, the Marlins have only been to the playoffs twice in their existence. And they've won the World Series both times. And the last time they were in the playoffs, they beat the Yankees in the World Series in 03. And in the NLCS, they beat the Cubs. That was the Bartman game. The Marlins-Cubs, game 6-0-3. That was the Bartman game. Listen, when that happened, that was in 3 I was 20 years old. But, you know, I've been drinking since I was like 14. So <laughs> that's what you do when you're a Cubs fan, man. But 
Yeah. So right on. If I'm a Dodgers fan, like I'm just going after it, dude. Like I have to, it's weird how sports do that to you. Like it's soul crushing sometimes. Like when your team doesn't do well, like I've cried over baseball games and it's been pitiful. Who cries over a baseball game? But like sometimes it's just not good. And it doesn't help that the Cubs play the Marlins because the Cubs are sort of in a situation like the Dodgers are in because I don't think anyone expected the Marlins to be in a postseason, but here they are, right? And, you know, the Brewers are the first team to be under 500 to qualify for the postseason. But actually, you know, the Astros are under 500. They're going to play the Twins, and the Astros don't have the pitching really to do much. So, like, that's whatever. But good luck, uh, good luck Dodgers fans, you know. But, hey, you know, if you're a Dodgers fan, just stay away from the uh, – the Budweiser. Budweiser has a zero alcohol beer now. Zero alcohol. That's a Budweiser, right? With no alcohol. Like, listen, Budweiser's not a great tasting beer. You know what I mean? It's not like a good stout or like a Goza, which is like a sour beer. It's not even a pumpkin ale, which Schlafly makes a really good pumpkin ale. And you call me what you will, but I like a pumpkin beer and I don't care. And plus, if you drink a pumpkin beer, the alcohol volume is usually like 6 to 9%. So you're doing pretty good. So buck up, Buttercup, and get drunk on some pumpkin beers. You'll get your money's worth out of it. But I'm just not sure why Budweiser has a zero alcohol beer. Like, when I'm thirsty, and I'm truly thirsty, I want like a lemon-lime Gatorade. Lemon-lime Gatorade's my favorite. When I mowed yards when I was a kid and had my paper route, it was lemon-lime Gatorade, man. Lemon-lime Gatorade is the best Gatorade. When I am um, hungover and I'm replenishing my fluids, lemon-lime Gatorade's like my go-to, right? Or like I drink water if I'm thirsty. I'll have a good ice water. I'm a tap water guy, though. I think bottled water is a lie, and I think that's not good you know the the elite they have us they're selling us water out of a bottle when we have water that just flows through our house like tap water is fine man i grew up drinking water out of the hose like that's all i would do i would pee in the yard drink water out of the hose and just keep playing like bottled water is a scam so i just drink it out of the tap and put some ice in it man that's just where it's at but i've never ever in my life not once been like man i'm thirsty could i have a beer no, no one's, I've never said that in my life. Like, listen, if I want a beer, it's usually like, hey man, like I've got some demons and my back hurts. Give me some beer so I can hide all of my adult problems and I can just bury this situation deep. I don't feel good right now, man. Things are happening. Like, It's never like quench my thirst with a good beer. There's just no way. Like if like, if it's a social thing, like, that's what this whole, like, non-alcohol beer is, right? They say that it's to promote a healthier lifestyle and improved living standards. Well, if you're taking alcohol out of my beer, you're not improving any of my living standards, right? Like, no, it's just, it's not the case, man. And it's like, if we're, like, if we aren't getting drunk, I'd just rather have some chocolate milk and some hot and spicy cheese. It's like, that's all I want to do. And I'm good with it, man. But I don't trust, I don't trust like non-alcoholic beer. Like there's just no way. It just doesn't, it just, the taste isn't there. Like having a non-alcoholic beer is like 
buying like a snicker bar and then opening it up but like you give the snicker bar to like someone else and you just keep the wrapper and you eat the wrapper that's exactly what a non-alcoholic beer is it just it's not good but i like i said i don't trust that stuff man i got into some uh some slim fast drinks when listen so when i was i went to college for like a year and i dropped out and i got a job at a, a car factory that put together car parts so I worked at a car plant and I built sunroofs for like um, Hummers and like a Toyota Sienna minivan and stuff like that. And I was real big into the gym. So I was like bulking, right? I was like bulking up and I needed all the calories I could get. And when you worked at the factory, they gave you breaks every two hours, right? So the girl I was dating, she had all these slim fast shakes. She had like eight of them. And she's like, I don't like them. Do you want these? And I'm, I look on them and they have like 200 calories. And I'm like, hell yeah, I'll take these things. They got like 30 grams of protein in them. I'm like, let's go. So the factory job would start at 5 a.m. And it, you will work 5 a.m. to 4 p.m. every day, right? And you get a break every two hours. So like I wake up and I drink like two of those slim fast drinks. And I, that's 400 calories. So that's good for breakfast. And I start working. And I'm, I, wor- I work this robot arm that gives me the sunroof. I bolt the motor to it. I bolt the glass to the frame. And it keeps going, right? So 7 o'clock comes around. I drink another two of these Slim Fast drinks. They're good, easy calories, man. 9 o'clock comes around. I've got like some chicken that I eat. And I drink two more Slim Fast shakes. They're like 12 ounces. And they're chocolate flavored. So they're really good. It's sort of like drinking chocolate milk. Now, at that point, I had drank six of these slim fast drinks now what i didn't realize is these slim fast drinks were zero sugar zero carb they had sugar alcohols in them so like 10 30 i'm working my shift and this is an assembly line right and this assembly line doesn't stop for shit <laughs> literally and i'm like working and probably like an hour before my next break all of a sudden i start to sweat like bullets a fucking sweat and I'm in a panic and then my stomach all of a sudden starts talking like it sounds like a demon right it's like and I'm like oh my god and it hit me bro like I was sweating bullets I'm trying to like and it wasn't like I knew it was gonna be really bad it was gonna be like Harry on Dumb and Dumber And this is me, man. I'm sweating. I like, I think I'm going to die. But uh, you work on assembly line. So like you can't stop it. And it finally got to the point where I was like, if I don't walk off now, I'm going to shit my pants. Pure diarrhea on this assembly line. And it's just not worth it. So I look at like my line boss, who's the boss of the line. And I'm like, the problem was the piece of equipment that I ran because it was this big robot arm, you had to be like six foot two to run it. And that's what I am. I'm really six one and a half. I just lied to you guys. I'm sorry. But you had to be pretty tall to run the thing. And I was the only guy that could do it because I was the only guy that could reach high enough. Right. <laughs> so I look at my line boss. I'm like, hey, man, we have to stop. I said, someone has to keep this line moving because I'm going to shit my pants right here where I stand. And I'm not that's not some sort of funny euphemism like I, it's, it's going to happen have you ever watched that volcano movie with um the guy from men in black in it what's who's that guy uh the guy who's the guy from men in black it's will smith and the, he was like he played in u.s marshals and he was in the volcano movie i was like bro it's gonna be a volcano right now like these things are bad so they bring a little short guy over he stands on a bucket and i don't even know at this point if i can run 
I'm about to sit on the trash can, but like I waddle my way to the bathroom and it's like Niagara Falls. It's the worst experience I've ever had. And I'm like, what the fuck? I said, these Slim Fast drinks, they got me sick. And I look on the back of the drink and it says that these sugar alcohols taken in large quantities can have a laxative effect. And I'm like, motherfucker. It sure did have a laxative effect. I never drank those things again. And so when I see like non-alcoholic beer, it makes me think of like sugar-free stuff. Like it's just not natural. It's not meant to be like we didn't go through prohibition and reverse that amendment to not have alcohol and beers. What have we been fighting for our whole life? Right. I just don't get it. But that's (laughs) that's it, man. That's all she wrote. All right, well, we better talk some actual baseball. That's probably maybe why you tuned into this podcast. Uh, The playoffs are coming up, right? I'm super excited about it. um, I'm I'm most intrigued by the Cardinals and the Marlins making the postseason because these were two teams that were completely down and out because of the coronavirus. It's like the Marlins missed like a week at least. And the Cardinals missed 17 straight days of baseball. The Cardinals at one point were like, had only played five games when the rest of the division was already like 20 games into the season. They had to play 53 games in 44 days when the Cardinals, this is nuts, when the Cardinals came back from their whole coronavirus pandemic and everyone was healthy, you know what they did? They went to like an enterprise rent a car and they all had to rent a bunch of cars and drive to Chicago. <laughs> How does that even go? Like, I don't know if like Harrison Bader and Jack Flaherty are even 25. Like, what did they do? Like call their mom and say, mom, will you help me get a rent a car? Like, how does that even work? I wonder what kind of cars they got, you know, because I would be for sure requesting like something fast or something like off road. Like one time when I was like, uh, I was like 18 my, my insurance was under my parents' name and my vehicle was in a wreck. So they got a, a Geo Prism, a, a four-door Geo Prism. I think that's what it was for a, a rental car. And they just said, drive it and don't wreck it, right? And I'm like 17. So I'm like, okay, sure, right? And the thing doesn't go very fast unless you get on a back road. So that's what we did. <laughs> and we took this Geo Prism on a back road. It just went for a full joyride, smashed like 20 mailboxes. It was great, right? So it, I, I, I doubt like the St. Louis Cardinals did that, but they drove their rental cars to Chicago, man. It's crazy driving in Chicago. It's not the funnest thing in the world. But if you're just driving to Wrigley, right, you're in pretty good shape. And that's just nuts. And I don't know how this team did it, right? I, uh, let me check. I don't remember what. What were the Cardinal standings? They were, I think they finished second in the division. It's really weird because the NL Central sent all four teams to the postseason, but the Pittsburgh Pirates didn't make it. The Cardinals were 30 and 28, right? But like the weird thing about this is, and even what I had mentioned previously about the Brewers being under 500, I still think the Brewers are a good team, and the Dodgers should legitimately be worried. I'm not too sure who the Milwaukee Brewers are going to pitch, but I think they've got some good pitching. Don't they run a guy named Corbin Burns? Is is that guy a Milwaukee Brewer, maybe? Here, let me look. Not to be confused with Corbin Burnson, right? Wasn't he on Major League? Here, let's go through these pitchers real quick. Oh, Oh, no. I think I'm totally wrong on that. Whatever name I just said, Corbin Burns must play for a different team. He's Oh, no. Corbin Burns. There he is. He says he's on the 10-day IL. I don't know if Corbin Burns is actually even healthy or not, 
but he pitched 59 innings to a 211 ERA. So, right, the um, you're talking Brewers, Dodgers, like in a best of three, right? And so they run, like, Brandon Woodruff is a hell of a pitcher. I've seen him pitch. Adrian Hauser, he was, like, not good this year, but I've seen him dominate, too. Corbin Burns has dominated. I don't even know if actually he'll be healthy. Like, I'll be able to check for you. It was just a 10-day IL here. I'll search it right now. Well, you know, I'm not going to get into that. But I just, like, I don't, like, it's, right, under 500 teams shouldn't get in the postseason. I get it. But the, I mean, I think when you get into the postseason, I think the Brewers could do pretty well. And I think the uh, Yowzers, I think the Cardinals could do really well. You know, you talk a guy like, They've, who Okay, who are the Cardinals pitching? Right now? Obviously, Jack Flaherty's like going to be their number one, right? I'm pretty sure they still have Andrew Miller in the bullpen. They got, who's the uh, Austin Gomer? Is that his name? G-O-M-B-E-R, Austin. He's uh, he's put up good numbers. Looks like Dakota Hudson's completely out. Adam Wainwright, who's had a hell of a season. Age 38. Dude, or 315 ERA. Like, that's crazy. So you're talking a best of three series. If you Jack Flaherty's not pitching good this season, but postseason, like, you just really need one start. And what's interesting is I don't know who's here. Let me tell you, right? Because you've got to figure. Didn't um did Jack Flaherty and Walker Bueller, I think, went to the same high school. And I don't know what the pitching rotations are here because the NL games start on Wednesday. And if you look at, um, oh, so the Cardinals are going to pitch their rookie, Kim. So, oh, no, the Cardinals play the Padres. Cardinals don't play the Dodgers. What am I talking about? I'm completely mixed up. Needless to say, Cardinals could do some damage. Cardinals-Padres is going to be a good series, right? One of the things I'm looking forward to on Tuesday is Garrett Cole pitches against Shane Bieber. So it's the Yankees and Indians. And that is going to be a huge matchup. That's going to be like your John Smoltz, Jack Morris matchup right there. These dudes, Garrett Cole went 7-3 with a 284 ERA. O Bieber went um, a 1.63 ERA here. I can get you their actually detailed stats right now. Tell you how many strikeouts they got because they whiffed a ton of guys. And so it seems to be about right now that Shane Bieber was probably run away the best pitcher in baseball. He struck 122 guys in 77 innings right now. Shane Bieber this season struck out 14.2 batters per nine innings. Those are like a Roldis Chapman, Josh Hader, really good reliever numbers, and he did it as a starter. So he's confusing a lot of guys. He ran a .86 whip, which means .86 human beings get on base per inning against the guy, which means he doesn't give up a lot of hits. And he doesn't walk a lot of guys, which is pretty good. Now, Garrett Cole, I'll give you some stuff on him, right? He struck out 11.6 guys per nine innings. And check this out. Last season, Garrett Cole led all the Major League Baseball in strikeouts per nine inning. And it was 13.8, which still isn't as high as what Shane Bieber does right now. These are two pitchers that are absolutely some of the hardest guys to hit, right? Uh, Garrett Cole this season still ran a sub one whip, right? So against these dudes, there aren't a lot of guys that get on base between them. And better than, I mean, obviously we know, here, let's look at this. Garrett Cole threw 73 innings and he started 12 games. 12 games from Shane Bieber as well. And he threw 77 innings. So both of these guys can throw some innings. You could run... 
seven, eight inning. I mean, I would love to see a nine inning pitcher still, which is huge. And what's even wilder is these two teams didn't meet in the regular season. So they haven't seen each other in at least 60 games. Big time stuff right here. Big time. This could be totally an all out duel right here. And so that's definitely one of the games that I'm looking forward to. No doubt about it. The Reds are going to be pretty scary. Trevor Bauer is an absolute monster. He's got like, I mean, his stats are nuts, right? He, I just gave you like some of Shane Bieber stats where it was like a point, what he run, like a .86 whip or something like that. Like, check this out. T-R-E-V-R. Um, Trevor Bauer was a .795 whip. He ran a 276 ERA plus with a buck 73 ERA. Actually, if you're looking at ERA plus 276 compared to 281, okay, so Shane Bieber was a little better, I guess, in that stat than Trevor Bauer, but the Reds are nuts, dude, right? The Reds won 10 of their last 12 to get into the postseason, right? Just like a few weeks ago, they were under 500, right? But they got Trevor Bauer. They obviously signed Nick Castellanos, which is, he's, he's a stud dude, right? The guy can... Um, hit a baseball, right? He's really good. They got Mike Moustakas, who can just put a ball in the bleachers, and it's not a problem, right? Eugenio Suarez, like, dude, just the, the list goes on with the Reds, right? Like, I think a lot of folks thought the Reds were going to be, um, you know, like the best team in the NL Central, right? It didn't work out that way. Somehow the Cubs got it, not really too sure. The Rays and the Blue Jays, that's going to be a fun series. Now, the Rays, man, the Rays, dude, might be the best team in Major League Baseball, right? Especially when it comes to their pitching, right? So we talked about, I think the last episode or a couple episodes ago, it was sort of like with the off days not happening in a series, right? So when you're playing your three games in the wild card series, which you play them straight, you get a day off, then you play your division series game straight through, day off, championship series straight through, day off, right? The only days off in a series are the World Series game two and game five. Now, I didn't mention this last podcast, but your wild card series games, those are played at um, the ballpark of the better, of the higher ranked team, right? So when, for example, when the Twins play the Astros all th- in the wild card series, the all three games are where the Twins play at, like Target Field, right? So the uh, Zach Granke's leading off that game too, but whatever. So it's sort of just like, that's interesting, right? So, but when you talk about having to use pitchers differently and be super flexible, that is how the Rays play. The Rays right now, they have they had 12 pitchers this season with at least one save. If that's not versatility, I don't know what is. And out of any postseason we've had, this one, you know, in recent years, this postseason is going to require a lot of pitching versatility, right? They have a bottomless supply of power arms, right? There are hitters on this team that say they'll go to the alternate site to get some swings in, and you'll go to the Rays' alternate site and hit, and these guys are saying that they see better pitching at the Rays' alternate site than they do for many big league teams, right? It is completely... I mean, they're, they're just deep, and that's the situation right now. And what's so wild about this Tampa Bay Rays team is just how smart they are. And it's sort of just like, right, when you looked at the Houston Astros, like there was a team that was cutthroat. They weren't likable. The people in the front office were sort of assholes. Like they weren't likable. And then so you have the Tampa Bay Rays who are sort of doing a lot of that stuff, right? They are, they'll trade you if they have to, right? You know, they're guys like, uh, Tommy Pham was a key player on this team. Obviously, they trade Evan Longoria. You know, they're not afraid to trade you and trade up, right? Chris Archer was a guy with the team for a long time. They got rid of him. 
They flipped Jose Martinez pretty quick. They got rid of Avi Garcia, who had a good season with him, right? So it's sort of just like that's a, a it could be looked at as a little cutthroat because they're not afraid to like bring you in, you succeed, and then then move you on to like get better and you know stuff like that. They do a really good job of right. This team right now only has four dudes that were originally signed or drafted by the Rays, right? So everything else they're doing, they're just doing through trades, and it's just these really smart trades where. Like when the Archer deal, they got like um, I think you for the Archer deal. They got that Austin um, ah crap, I always forget names on the spot. That's uh, it was Austin Meadows and Tyler Glassnow, right? They got that for the trade, and Tyler Glassnow wasn't really doing that well in Pittsburgh, and fucking no one knew who the hell Austin Meadows was, right? And they got both of those guys in, and they were just really good. You know, it's just I don't know what it is with the Rays, but they just they just stay good, man. You know, it's a system. I think that players like and they respond well. I think they, even though the Rays have to move a lot of players often and they're not afraid to cut guys loose. Like there was like a few years ago, Corey Dickerson had a phenomenal season in Tampa Bay and they cut him loose in the offseason. You know, they do what they have to do. But at the same time, I feel like players feel like they can succeed in the organization and they feel comfortable there. And I think they feel wanted there. And I think they definitely have a positive environment there. I think Logan Morrison played, I think, a little bit with the Rays, and he bashed it, said he hated the place or whatever, but Logan Morrison's not really in the league anymore, and if, I think he is actually and probably bats a little bit better than um, a pitcher, right? So it's like, whatever. The team's good, though, man. You know, they, uh, they this season, oddly enough, they were the first team ever to start nine left-handed batters in a game. They had that, which is crazy. That speaks to the depth of this team, man. They build it just so well that probably the best player development system in all of major league baseball and it's not like i mean they got a lot of they got they'll they'll make a homegrown player right but i mean they get it man they get guys from other organizations just bring them in and they get their buy-in which is huge man this team also has an excellent defense and they steal bases with incredible efficiency right they stole 40 they were 45 for 53 in stolen bases this season that's good for 85 percent which is huge. But I think, check this out. So on September 21st, the Rays played the Mets in New York, and Jacob deGrom started that game. He threw seven innings, four hits, two runs, two earned, struck out 14 guys, right? Now, the Mets are notorious for losing games where Jacob deGrom just does damage like that, and they lost this game, right? So Jacob deGrom was outdueled by... A guy named Fairbanks Thompson. I think that dude Jacob Fleming, Castillo, a dude named Sheriff, and Nick Anderson, right? So they they go out and beat DeGrom, the Tampa Bay Rays do. They pitch an opener for one and two-thirds. He doesn't give up a hit. Then they pitch another guy for an inning. He gives up one hit. And then this Fleming guy, I think, pitches really well. Josh Fleming is the guy's name, man. He wears rec specs, so you know he's the real deal. 6'2", 220, right? He was a um, fifth-rounder. At a Webster, which is like a little college in Missouri, right? But I think, you know, when you look at what the Rays did in this very important game where they had to go against like a dominant ace, they didn't send a dominant ace to the mound. They sent six guys. They had six guys come out to the mound. And outside of maybe Nick Anderson, possibly, not the Orlando Magic power forward, but a guy who was a, was a really good reliever last season, you may have heard of Nick Anderson, or you may have never heard of... Fairbanks, Thompson, Fleming, Castillo, Sheriff, and Nick Anderson. So what I'm, what I'm trying to say here is with the Rays and the Mets, it's 
you know, the Rays are going to get into this postseason. If they win a few series, they're going to have to face some big, big starting names. And they're not going to really send outside of like Charlie Morton. They're not really going to send any Blake Snell. Blake Snell's actually pitched pretty good, right? So you could call Blake Snell like a big name, but he's no like Garrett Cole or Shane Bieber or anything like that. But you can look at the Rays and then you look at these other teams with really good starters and the Rays can do that. And it showed with this Jacob deGrom game when, you know, they, um, all these dudes, six dudes that the Tampa Bay Rays pitched that day gave up one run on four hits. A huge day. So it's, you know, you're not going to... It's sort of just like the Rays are really good at what they do. And I think last year the Rays won 96 games. The year before they won 90 games. And this year, I think they were playing at like 105 win pace. So whatever they're doing in Tampa Bay... They're just getting better at it, and it's completely impressive. And I think that's got to be for sure one of my favorite teams, I would say, once you get in, you know, looking at the American League. And they play the Toronto Blue Jays, which is going to be pretty good. I don't think the Blue Jays have the experience hitting to match this, but who really knows, to be honest with you. But, I mean, game one, they're going to have to see Blake Snell anyway. So I would say the Rays will probably beat the Blue Jays. I think my favorite teams in the AL like have to be the Tampa Bay Rays because their depth, their hitting depth, their pitching depth, and their versatility. Like any team that can send nine lefties, your one through nine hitters can all be lefties. Like you know, you've got some pretty good versatility right there. So I like the Rays, I, like I like the White Sox, right? I feel like I like the White Sox, but they like a week and a half ago the White Sox had the best record in the American League, and now they're the seventh seed, and they've got to go against the Athletics, which is a really intriguing matchup, right? So, and that's going to be another game to watch too, is Lucas Giolito and Jesus Lazardo, right? That, those are, Jesus Lazardo is a stellar pitcher, man. He's really good at getting guys on three pitches. He's a hell of a strikeout dude. He doesn't have high strikeout numbers, but he's an efficient pitcher. And Jesus Lazardo is a quick working pitcher. So two things you need to know about Jesus is one, he's good at getting guys out on three pitches, right? He does, His third, if he gets you 0-2, he's, he's going to throw a pitch that's worth your money. You know what I mean? And then, like, Lucas Giolito, he threw a no-hitter this year, man. But Jesus Lazardo, he's a quick worker, and that's what I like, man. Any pitcher that's a quick worker, I enjoy to watch. Reminds me of, like, Mark Burley or, like, 80s pitchers who just get in there and they're just ready to pitch. That's going to be huge. So the Giolito-Lazardo matchup is going to be huge. I think in the AL, man, my two favorite teams – or the White Sox in the race, man. I stand by it, dude. I think the White Sox have a potent offense. Timmy Anderson was not a fluke last year. He came into this season. I think he still batted at a 360 clip, man. He does a hell of a bat flip too, right? So I dig it, right? 100%. Love it, man. Love the White So if I'm making predictions right now that I can be wrong on, I'm going to say the AL wildcard series. So we start with that. I think the Rays beat the Blue Jays. They're actually, if I bring up, the bracket, then we can actually go over this thing right now, and I can get some shit wrong. Okay, here's what you got. Let me embarrass myself right now. Where is... Okay, here's the bracket, right? So, if you have the Tampa Bay Rays and the Blue Jays. I think the Tampa Bay Rays win that series. Okay, I feel really good about that. Then, you've got the Cleveland Indians at the New York Yankees. I'm going to go with the Yankees on that, and, you know, I think a game one, it's really interesting, but I think the Yankees will hit Shane Bieber. I don't know, man. I mean, I like Garrett Cole's big game presence, and I think even game one, I think Garrett Cole beats Shane Bieber because Garrett Cole had a rough start to the season, and I just, I mean, I'll put my money on Cole 100%. Um, then you have the Twins and the Astros, right? I think the Astros, 
No, I think the Twins beat the Astros. And then between the A's and the White Sox, I'm going to go with the White Sox. So what I believe, I think the AL teams that are going to advance, I think you'll see Tampa Bay play the Yankees in the division series. And then I think you'll see the Twins and the White Sox play in the division series. When those teams get together, I got the Sox beating the Twins, and I think the White Sox make the ALCS. I have the Tampa Bay Rays beating the New York Yankees. So I think the American League Championship Series will be the Tampa Bay Rays and the Chicago White Sox. I'm not going to predict anything past that. So remember that. You can make fun of me when I'm wrong. The National League, Dodgers, Brewers, Dodgers will advance. Padres and Cardinals, I'm going with the Padres, okay? And then the Cubs and the Marlins, I'll take the Cubs. Braves and Reds, I will take... I'll take the Reds. So I believe the division series is going to be the Dodgers and the Padres and then the Cubs and the Reds. I believe that the Dodgers beat the Padres. So the Dodgers will be in the National League Championship Series. And I believe the Cubs will beat the Reds. And your National League Championship Series will be your Dodgers and Cubs. So I think your final four, which is awesome because his bracket's so huge, your final four is going to be the Dodgers, the Cubs, and then the Tampa Bay Rays and the White Sox. And I'm not just picking the highest seeds. Like, so my ALCS would be a one seed and a seven seed, and then the NLCS would be a one seed and a three seed. And so like, I have the two seed Braves and the two seed uh, Oakland Athletics getting knocked off in the first round. So that's sort of a heads bold pick on me. I'll probably be wrong. Ayo. Okay, check this out. Did you guys see a few weeks ago where a Boston Red Sox fan snuck into Fenway Park and was out in the outfield just yelling, and the announcers were like, who the hell is this guy in the field? He broke into Fenway during a game just like they did on The Town. Do you ever watch the movie The Town with Ben Affleck and Jeremy Renner and they robbed Fenway Park? It's one of my all-time favorite movies, right? Love it, man. And that happened, right? So this guy breaks into Fenway, but... Listen to this shit. There was a dude that broke into Miller Park. That's where the Brewers play. And he damaged the field with a tractor, right? Here's what he did. So this dude breaks in, man. It's an off day. The Brewers aren't there. Nobody's there, right? This 40-year-old dude from Milwaukee, he breaks into Miller Park. And he just like... He walks in the place, and they got him on camera, and he's just sort of like strutting, man. He basically walks in the front door. He found an unlocked door at Miller Park. So, like, who doesn't do this, right? Like, I remember when I was in grade school, the grade school I went to was two blocks from the house, and we would always go there and play basketball. But when we did, we would always check for an unlocked door because they would always leave a door unlocked. So when we found an unlocked door at the grade school, we went in every time and just ran around like mad because all we wanted to do was run in the hallways, and it was awesome. So we would run in the hallways and drink out of the water fountain. It was great, you know? And so this guy found an unlocked door at Miller Park, so naturally he walks in the place. And he, this guy is accused of causing $40,000 in damage, digging holes in the grass and the dirt with a tractor. And then when he finished all this, he ran the bases. <laughs> so he goes in this place, right? And I, I guess he finds a tractor. He finds a tractor out in right field. And I admire this. He starts the tractor up. He's like, let's do this. And I know like anytime I pass a construction site 
and I see like a tractor or, you know, a cat or whatever it is, like I always dream of going there, starting the ignition and doing like just digging some holes. Like that's what I want to do more than anything is just hijack a caterpillar and just dig a hole, you know, maybe lift up a car or something. That's what this guy did. So I think he shouldn't be charged with anything. I think he should be charged with just being a normal human being that would do what everyone else would do, right? The ballpark has an unlocked door. You walk in because, so help me God, maybe he missed baseball. And then when you're in there, he found a tractor with the keys in the ignition. I don't know what red-blooded male doesn't walk upon a tractor with the keys in the ignition and then walk away from it, right? That's about as asinine as non-alcoholic beer. So he gets in the tractor and drives it into the infield. And what he tried to do was he wanted to write his name in the infield in cursive handwriting, which I admire, right? I got some teacher friends and they get pissed because they don't teach cursive writing in schools anymore. And this gentleman was going to write his name in cursive in the infield, which I think he's just doing every public English school teacher a favor by promoting cursive writing. So cheers to you, Keon Lambert, for writing your, trying to write your name in cursive and really only just digging holes. I don't really have a problem with any of this at all. He, um, I mean, it's just what happened, you know? I think Really, this is baseball's fault. I think they negotiated their money for way too long and they gave us a shortened season. Now, if they're going to charge this gentleman, they're going to sue him for $40,000 in damages. I think if Major League Baseball starts on time and they don't leave us fans in a bad spot, you know, it's obvious that Keon was enjoying some alcoholic brews, you know? And that's why you don't drink non-alcoholic beer because you just don't have fun. But tell me, this isn't a hell of a story, right? And I'll tell you this, I'll tell you this right now. I don't have any priors. I've never been locked up. I don't have a record. If I see a, if I see a tractor with the keys in the ignition, that tractor is not mine. I'm starting that tractor up, and I'm going to dig a hole, and that's it. And if you want to lock me up for it, the best I would say I would get would be house arrest, and we're already stuck in quarantine anyway. I've been working at home, working from home since February. You can house arrest me all day, right? I'll pay a $500 fine. I'll do community service. I don't need a judge to tell me to keep my community clean, right? I'll be there. So I just this isn't a this isn't bad. I, I cheers to this guy for doing what he did. <laughs> Who wouldn't have done it? Everybody would have. Be honest. I guess I want to talk about the Florida Marlins. Oh shoot, the Miami Marlins for a little bit. I do. I still call them the Florida Marlins, and I love the old Florida Marlins colors. But we are looking at the Miami Marlins, and this is a real life team, and they're in the postseason, and they're going to be playing in October. They ask yourself, like, well, do we take the Miami Marlins seriously? Well, check this out. The Miami Marlins through these 60 games that we played, had a better record than the Philadelphia Phillies, which have some big names, the New York Mets, which have some big names, and the Washington Nationals, which are the defending World Series champions. Now, a few things to be alarmed about with the Miami Marlins is they run a negative 41 run differential, right? So offense isn't really their cup of tea, but I really like their pitching. Now, I... I honestly didn't get a chance to watch a ton of baseball this season, like a ton of live full game baseball. Obviously, having a daughter, 
I uh, do my best to spend as much time with her as I can because she's only young once and I love her more than anything. And I'm assuming you might be the same way in your daily life. Baseball is a really hard sport to follow because there are so many games played versus like football. You know, you're talking 16-game season. Even basketball is an 82-game season, right? So it's half that. This was only 60 games. But one of the things I like a lot about the Miami Marlins, which I don't think the Cubs are at all a shoe in to win this best of three series, right? I um, I think it was two years. It was in 2019. I went and I was in Miami and we, me and my wife went to a Marlins game and where the Marlins play, their park is phenomenal. It's an indoor stadium. And I had actually never watched a base, a major league baseball game. Fuck. I never watched any baseball game indoors actually. And it was the most comfortable experience in the world. I loved the concessions. I loved the field. I loved the way the outfield looked. I loved the scoreboard. They had cheerleaders who were, um, you know, look like they were dancing erotically. And I, it was fun to watch. It was like... It was just, man, I've just never um, seen that type of cheering at a baseball game before. It was a hell of an experience. It was like, they looked like basketball cheerleaders, right? And I dug it because it wasn't like the same old, like, boring baseball or whatever, right? It's like almost like the Miami Marlins are, you know, sort of changing with the times. And I really hope that they do good things in Miami. And I think what they're doing right now is good for... Miami, but I think it's also good for baseball, right? You look at the management group that came in and ran the Houston Astros, and you know what they did. You got these like NBA type hedge fund dudes who are just like, let's figure out a way to cheat this shit and go because that's how you make money, right? Or I feel like what we're seeing in Miami with Derek Jeter, Bruce Sherman, and you know the whole organization is you're seeing a, a, a group of people that give a shit. You're seeing a group of people that went in. And they're changing something really bad, changing something that a lot of people didn't have a lot of faith in. And I think a lot of that lack of faith is sort of spreading through the sports fan community with like what the Houston Astros have done and, you know, what folks said maybe the Boston Red Sox did. And I think it's really great to see the Marlins, what I think they're going in and doing things the right way. And so I think that's definitely great for the community, but I think it's also good for baseball to see especially a former player come in and sort of head this up a little bit. Like, obviously, Derek Jeter's not doing it all, but he is the face of that organization. is probably making most of the baseball decisions high level. And I, I like, I, I enjoy it. You know, I think it's good for the game as a whole because I think what the Houston Astros did probably put a sour taste in a lot of sports fans' mouth, and that's something baseball definitely doesn't need. But to see a former player come in, because baseball's a very nostalgic sport, And the longer time goes, a particular era is looked at even better. So when you've got Derek Jeter that's been out of the league for so long, like you had your Derek Jeter detractors who said it was overrated. They're on drugs. They they, they definitely need to start drinking non-alcoholic beer if you think think Derek Jeter was overrated because that's false. And you got Derek Jeter, this beloved shortstop, like coming in and like he's still in the league and he's still active in the league and he's doing good things. And so I, I, I hope, you know, I um, if the Marlins beat the Cubs, like I, I'm not going to be sad about it, even though I'm a Cubs fan, because what I've always said is, you know, sports and like me being a Cubs fan and whoever you're a fan of, I I've had my days where I've been sick to my stomach because my team loses. But I think sports in general is so much more meaningful than that. You know, I think it's um, 
it's beautiful in the sense of you get to see athletes push push themselves to new boundaries. You get to see, you know, you experience, you know, sports with like your family and your friends. And you create these nostalgic moments of your own in your life. You know, I remember watching the 2015 wildcard game with my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time. And I think about watching that game. We watched it in a bar when we lived in Franklin, Tennessee. And I can think about it now. And it's just, it has this supremely nostalgic feel to it. Where I'm just like, oh my God, like I'm glad I'm there, right? And that 2015 wildcard game, the Cubs won. And then they beat the Cardinals in the division series, but they lost the championship series to the Mets. They got swept four games to nothing. Now, in a sense, like the 2015 postseason to me was at least just as fun as the 2016 postseason for me. And it wasn't because one of those seasons was a win or a loss or whatever. It was really just the people I had around me enjoying it. And I hope that's the type of thing that happens in Miami. And I hope what's happening in Miami sort of sets a template for what can happen for other teams. Like Alex Rodriguez is sort of a weirdo and he's got huge years and took steroids and he didn't get to buy the New York Mets, right? And I don't think it would have been a bad thing if he did. You know, Derek Jeter, sometimes you can laugh, or Alex Rodriguez, like sometimes you just want to laugh at him, but he loves the game of baseball and his announcing, like, he's not the best, and sometimes he's a little awkward, but at the end of the day, like, I think he loves baseball, and I think Derek Jeter loves baseball, and I think it shows because I think they're running the team the right way, and I I, I like it, and I think it's great. So if the Marlins beat the Cubs, like, I could see myself sort of pulling for the Marlins as my secondary team and enjoying a non-non-alcoholic beer, maybe a few of them. I don't really know, but I do like the Miami Marlins pitching. They got, when I was down in Miami, it was a great stadium, they, they I watched a guy named Pablo, Lo, Pablo Lopez pitch, and he threw, threw like seven or eight innings of one-run ball. And this season, he started 11 games to a 361 ERA. He's a good pitcher, right? And then they got Sandy Alcantara and Sixto Sanchez. Now, Sixto Sanchez came over in the JT Real Muto trade. Sandy Alcantara came over from the Cardinals. That was a Marcelo Zuna trade. I don't know where Pablo Lopez came from, right? But when you look at a best of three series with the Chicago Cubs, and if they make it past the Chicago Cubs, you get your best of five and best of seven, right? There are three pitchers on this team that have over a 124 ERA plus. That's really good. That means they're at least 24% better than your average pitcher. Then apparently they got a guy that started six games named Daniel Castano, who over 29 innings had a 3.03 ERA. There are guys on this team that can pitch really well. They've got some guys in the bullpen, Brad Boxberger, Brandon Kinsler, who pitch really well as well. Their, like, their problem is really probably with their offense. Like They got Starling Marte. I think Starling Marte actually got hurt last game of the season. I don't know how he's going to play or not. They got a guy named Garrett Cooper, batted 283, six dongs, Brian Anderson at third base. Jorge Alfaro, dude, has got like a crazy exit velocity, but he strikes out so damn much, and he doesn't walk at all. Jorge Alfaro, he's their catcher, right? And they got Jorge Alfaro from Philly as well. So he came over with Sixto Sanchez for, you know, the JT Real Muto deal or whatever, right? And this season, he has a 280 on base percentage. He struck out 36 times and walked four times. Now, I don't know whether to like hate you or love you, right? Like it's clear that Jorge Alfaro, the catcher for the Marlins, 
has the Ricky Bobby, if you ain't first, your last mentality. And I dig it, man. Like, I like my players that have a little Rob Deer because let's be honest. When we all played baseball, all we wanted to do was hit home runs. Now, me, I was always the skinny kid, so I wasn't really your home run hitter, but there was a guy on my baseball team named Jesse Davis, and we called him Pudge. He's the only fourth grader I've ever met that had a true beer belly, true beer belly. And this guy would hit home runs, and that's all he cared about. You know, he would tomahawk a ball. A ball could literally be a foot and a half over his head. He'd swing at it just like a tomahawk. The barrel of the bat, the end of the bat pointing to the heavens. Like, that's how much he would tomahawk a bat. And deep down, I wanted to be that guy. I wanted to be the fat kid who swung at everything, struck out probably 10 times, but also hit home runs. And that's maybe what Jorge Alfaro could be. I mean, that's definitely what Joey Gallo is. I think that's what Rob Deere was. And that sort of made what Jorge Alfaro is. But, you know, he um, he only hit three home runs this year, so things weren't good. And he's not really that great of a catcher. But I guess what I'm saying is, like, the offense is a little scary for the Marlins. But they're pitching. They got three really good guys. Oh, I completely forgot. Listen, on to the next topic. Do you, Rob Manfred said, like, yesterday or the day before that they are planning on having fans at the NLCS and the World Series. And I think that's because the NLCS and the World Series are all going to be played in Arlington, Texas. That's at the new place where the Texas Rangers play. It looks like a beefed-up Home Depot warehouse. Like It looks like a tin shed. It looks like a barn. It's amazing, like only in Texas, dude. And they're going to try to have fans at the NLCS and the World Series. I think that's huge. I, It's going to make a difference watching on TV. I watched the Phillies and the Rays play the last game of the season because that could have been a clincher for the Phillies to get in the postseason. They didn't do it. I thought it was a good storyline because Aaron Nola was pitching. He didn't pitch well. He only went three and two-thirds innings, but it was different, right? Like, I didn't like it as much because there weren't fans in the stands. And so I hope the World Series and the NLCS actually get fans in the stands. And Rob Manfred says if they all they have to do is get approval from, like, the state of Texas— and they're rocking, man, and they'll have fans in there, which I think is cool because hopefully that opens up the door and sort of a way to, you know, have fans in next year because I really want to go to a baseball game, eat like 10 hot dogs, maybe another 10 core dogs, have some non, non-alcoholic non beer, and slump over in the passenger seat while my wife drives me home. Like, let's do this thing, man. I'm ready just to go to a baseball game. Like, I miss it. Like, I just miss being in a baseball game. You know, there are a few minor league teams around me, and I'll go to those games a lot, man. It's just, like, smaller parks, and I love them. But, I mean, I haven't been at Wrigley Field since, I think, 2017. It's been a long time. I haven't been, you know, to where the Braves play since, like, 2018. I think it's been a long time, and I miss being there. You know, I think summer's huge, you know, for, uh, like, every summer it's like, hey, let's go to a baseball game. And this summer not going was just really weird, you know, like, I don't have that weird farmer's tan like I usually do, which is really strange. But it's also because I've been going out a lot with a shirt off because I'm a dad now and I can do it. So, like, that's one thing. But I just, I missed it, man. I really did. And I hope it happens next year. And, you know, like I said, hopefully having fans in the NLCS and the World Series sort of opens the door. But maybe have some fans. And you don't have to be all fans. But, you know, I think Wrigley Field, what's Wrigley Field? Like 41 or 42,000. And, whoever your favorite team is, however many they hold, like maybe you still have that many tickets. And, you know, maybe we can get to watch some games next year. I don't know how next year is going to look. It's really weird. And I guess I think a lot of, I mean, I don't think anybody knows how the winter is going to look 
as far as the coronavirus spreading and stuff like that, but I hope it's good because I think everybody wants to get back in a major league ballpark next year, fan-wise, you know. Listen, here's some hot news of the week. So at Costco, since like 1984, you've been able to go into Costco and spend a dollar fifty and get a hot dog and a soda, right? The hot dog soda special for buck fifty, right? And since you can't go to a baseball game and get a hot dog, Costco's a really good place to get a hot dog. Like I love a Costco, dude. I honestly like I love things in bulk. Like I just want to buy the biggest bag of Doritos and animal crackers I can get. Like animal crackers are so fucking good. Give me a ten gallon bucket of animal crackers, right? And apparently, like a couple, this is a report that surfaced, right? Apparently, a couple years ago, the CEO of Costco said that he wanted to raise the price of the hot dog Coke combo from $1.50 to like $2.95 or something because he said that Costco was losing money on it. So the CEO, he's got an MBA, he's like a like a Houston Astros type guy. And he's like, we got to raise the price of these hot dogs in this coat because we're losing money on it. And apparently the co-founder, this is a record, is on record as an email. The co-founder emails the current CEO and says verbatim, if you raise the price of the effing hot dog, I will kill you. I'm going to repeat that again. (laughs) Wow. Wow. The CEO is going to raise the price of the hot dog and the co-founder emails the CEO and says, if you raise the price of the effing hot dog, I'll kill you. That my friends is the hero we need in our life. I don't need Superman. I don't need Enrique Iglesias. I need the Costco co-founder to tell me that he will preserve the cheapness, the affordability of a delicious hot dog by killing people. And I wonder if he can help us go to baseball games next year. I just, I love the passion of a hot dog. Listen, I don't know what the fuck a hot dog is made out of. I've never watched a video. I don't really care to. I'm a Hebrew national guy. If you want to know, I am a Hebrew national guy. You know, I've fought Nathan's before. But I'm a Hebrew guy. You know, I like a Hebrew hot dog. They're sort of my favorite. You know, mustard, a lot of mustard and a lot of ketchup. And that's all I do. That's the, I, I use white trash mustard. I don't use Dijon mustard or brown spicy mustard. I don't use any of that crap. Give me the yellow 89 cent Harris Teeter or Kroger brand of mustard with, I know I like Heinz ketchup. Don't, don't buy me cheap ketchup and don't buy me cats up. I need high-end ketchup and white trash mustard. Put that all over the hot dog. Burn it a little bit. You know what I mean? I'll take out my Zippo lighter and burn it at the ball game. I love carrying a lighter. You never know when you'll need to set a fire. And uh, (laughs) it's, yeah, it's, who doesn't love to burn stuff? Is it just me? I'm sorry. And that's what it is with the hot dog, man. Yeah, mustard for life. I think we'll go ahead and end the podcast now. We're about the 54-second mark. We will, you know, I guess I'll record something maybe after Wednesday, after we've seen a few playoff games, but enjoy it. Try to watch some games. And, you know, I think, again, one of the things that's going to be most interesting is a lot of teams that are playing each other didn't get a chance to see each other during the regular season. And because of that reason, you know, because in a 60-game schedule, and then plus there were travel restrictions, so you really only got to play people like in your division in the NL and AL, right? 
So, like, for example, the Cubs played the Twins this year because that was AL Central, NL Central, right? So a lot of teams, like the Athletics and the White Sox, like, they didn't play each other this year. And that's the same thing, right, with the Indians and the Yankees. So there are a lot of situations where teams haven't faced each other this year. So there could be a lot of surprises in the postseason and athletes really getting pushed, you know, around maybe a little more than they're used to, you know, pitchers and hitters and things like that. So, I, you know, we could see some results that could be completely shocking because teams haven't seen each other in the regular season. I like that, you know, because it's sort of like the way it was like in the 80s where, you know, there was no interleague play and you didn't get to see a lot of those teams as much. So like the old days was a lot of surprising factors there. So there'll be a lot of excitement there as well. And, you know, we could definitely see some upsets, definitely see some great performances, but it'll be interesting to see how players do that, you know, haven't seen certain pitchers and certain ballparks and certain pitchers mounds this year. So I think it's going to be a great playoff. You know, it's weird because of the 60 game season. And I think it's weird as well because, you know, you have to wonder, whichever team wins the World Series, you know, how's that team going to be looked at? You know, will this will this season be respected in the future or will it even be respected as soon as it ends, you know? I think a lot of that has to do with the team that wins it, right? So, like, obviously, if the Astros won it, everybody would hate them. Everybody sort of does anyway. But, like, you got to wonder, like, if the White Sox win the World Series, you know, how, how does that look, right? How do fans look at it? Is Would something like that be as legit as like if the Tampa Bay Rays won the World Series, right? Because one of those teams like we think we know is really good. And then the White Sox got a lot of young kids that came on pretty strong this year and almost won the division, but then slipped to the seventh seed. And like, I'm not saying like one of those will look different than the other, but like I started to sort of think about, you know, my buddy Kyle messaged me today who runs a Cubs Live podcast. And he asked me what I thought about that. You know, what I thought about, you know, how, you know, whoever won the World Series, would it be looked at as legitimate? I thought it was a really good question because I didn't know how to answer it. And the only thing, you know, that I started to explore was, well, maybe it depends on the team, right? Because maybe we would look differently if the White Sox won it versus if the Tampa Bay Rays done it or if the Dodgers won it versus like the Padres, right? And I think even if the Dodgers won the World Series, like I wouldn't be surprised if they got a little bit of heat saying like it was a fluke, like, oh, the only way the Dodgers could win was in a 60-game season, you know? I I don't know the answer to that question, but, you know, I do know this. I think that as time goes on, if as soon as the World Series is over, if the truncated season isn't really respected that much. I think over time it'll be respected more because I think in the long distance, you know, folks remember who won the championship, not necessarily how they did it. And I don't know if that'll ever change with the 2017 Astros. Probably not, but maybe so. I don't really know, but uh, I'm interested to see how they do. You know, me personally, I look at it as a real world series. You know, I do. It's You know, everybody was a level playing field. Everybody played 60-something games through a lot of travel restrictions and quarantine restrictions and no fans. And I think really in and of itself, having to play like the doubleheaders they did and really cram this and have, you know, start spring training and then have a bunch of time off and then play the season. Like in a lot of respects, I bet it was harder. It could have been harder than a 162-game season just because it was so different and everything was crammed in and you had to quarantine and there weren't fans. And, you know, the energy, it just had to have been different it's because obviously a 162-game season is exceptionally grueling like only a crazy person would do it. 
But a 60-game season in this fashion, especially, you know, for folks like Chris Bryant, Bryce Harper, Mike Trout, who have or had kids, you know, with their their wives being pregnant and stuff like that, in a sense, had to be maybe a lot of mental stress going on. And that's just as severe, sometimes more so than what the physical stress is. So I think when you look at the 60-game season and say, oh, it's only 60 games, like whatever, I think in a sense because of the things – that go beyond the 60 games, you know, the hardships of just the coronavirus pandemic and, you know, what players have to do because their schedules were so much interrupted. I think that that brings a whole new set of challenges that need to be respected. And so I do believe that whoever wins the World Series, like for me personally, whether it's the Sox, the Rays, the Cubs, the Marlins, like I don't care. Like I think I believe whoever wins the World Series this year, I believe it is legit. And I believe that team should be respected because this was still a grueling season. You know, it didn't look like traditional 162 game seasons, but this season is to, it needs to be respected. It had a lot of hardships in it, you know, especially when you look like what the Marlins and the Cardinals had to go through. And I think it's really good to see those teams in the postseason because I don't know, you know, the Cardinals missed 17 day straight and the Marlins missed at least seven if not longer so when you get in a situation like that when you're sitting at home and watching the rest of the league playing like that can't be good mentally because you start to get so far behind like when I play video games and I get behind like I get really pissed off and this is real life sports so it had to be hard man so in my opinion I think it is legitimate I think it should be respected and I will not look at this World Series champion any different than any other World Series champion, unless it's the Cardinals. Fuck them. <laughs> no, that's not true. <laughs> uh, maybe the Yankees. <laughs> no, I don't know, man. No, I really do. No matter who wins the World Series, man, I think it's a real deal. But otherwise, I'm out. Find me on, I got to think about this, Twitter. My Twitter is greatest on dirt. My Facebook is greatest show on dirt. It, that's like the at symbol. Like if you go to Facebook and type in the greatest show on dirt, you'll find me. But the little at symbol on Facebook, because they have that as greatest show on dirt. And then, yeah, Twitter, greatest on dirt. And then Instagram is, I always forget Instagram. I think Instagram's greatest on dirt too. I got to load it up. I got this new iPhone. It's got a face ID on it. I think this is some Skynet shit, to be honest. Yeah, my new iPhone has has facial recognition on it. And I, I watched Terminator 2 Judgment Day the other day. And I'm like, I think my phone has the chip in it. And I think it's Skynet. And it's like visualizing my face. And it unlocks my phone. I don't like it. But I'm greatest show on dirt on Instagram. So it's also in the description, too. But I post some funny stuff. I post some cool stuff. Not to brag, but my family members like it. And other than that, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. It's an hour long. I've been trying to record more. I really want to get these going about at least once a week if I can. Um, I've had some people message me on social media. They said they've liked the podcast. They like the social media stuff. So thank you so much for anybody that did right taking the time out of your day to tell me you liked what i did because it means a lot so thank you for that it sort of keeps me going you know when you're in quarantine and i do this podcast by myself right so i can get boring to talk to so thank you so much for listening and until next time enjoy the playoffs and have a phenomenal week take care guys later